0: Another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your went. You can scream. Hi, folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing times in the uh, changing world and the things that we can all do to live a better life if uh, times get tough. Or even if they don't dictate, it is always during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas from my personal mobile studio. This is uh, Friday, December 19th. And we are up to episode 112 of the Survival Podcast. little preempted announcement. Next week there should be, you know barring any acts of uh, weather or end or God. Uh, three shows next week. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, right up to Christmas Eve, I'm going to broadcast. I'm then going to go on vacation, and I will not be back until the, uh, I think it's around January 3rd or 4th or 5th, something like that, maybe the 6th, Whatever the Monday is after the week with New Year's in it, uh, that is when I will be back, so I'm taking some time off, going up to my remote little bug-out location slash homestead in Hot Springs, Arkansas area, and I'm going to do some improvements, put in some wood flooring, and uh, maybe start to build up some more raised beds with some of the... Ever Abundant Rocks So just so you guys know When I don't show up after Christmas For a while I'm on vacation The Black Ops guys didn't come and get me to shut me down Because the last time I went on vacation Without a really heavy announcement in advance People freaked out And started sending me emails Which I don't get email up there So I didn't see them until I got back But everybody was worried that something happened So nothing is going to happen I'm just going to go enjoy some time off And uh, while I'm gone, listen to some of the old episodes, spend some time with your family, work on your preps, maybe get involved in our forum if you haven't already. Okay, today, before I go any further, let's go ahead and knock out the first order of business, and that is that today is a listener appreciation contest day, and we are giving away not one, but two gun safes today from Center of Mass. Uh, Center of Mass donated a total of four key lock safes, the fourth of which we'll give away today, and one biometric safe. The biometric safe is one that you simply rub your fingerprint across, and it opens up and you access your weapon. Uh, these safes are designed to go inside your vehicle. Uh, the key lock ones retail for somewhere between 30 and 40 bucks. I don't exactly remember, and the biometric for around 175. Uh, So, two really nice prizes that are going out today. Uh, I was told by Center of Mass as long as I had the addresses of the winners to them uh, by Monday, they should be able to get them to you by Christmas. So, if you want to give it away as a Christmas present, you will have the opportunity. Um, in this contest, this is how this works if you've never played before. First, you must be a registered member of the Listener Appreciation Contest. You must have agreed on your honor to tell other people about my show. If you do not do that, you cannot play. Uh, you do that in a form on the website. You go to the website, thesurvivalpodcast.com, click on Listener Appreciation Contest, enter your name and email, and click the little statement honor box saying, On my honor, I will tell people. Okay? And then you fulfill your thing on your honor. There's no way for me to check that. I have to trust you. Then, on a day like today, you send me an email. There will be a code word that I'm going to give you here in just a second. You put that in the subject line. You put nothing else. You send that email to jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. You do not use my user feedback form. You do not comment on the blog. You send me a direct email. You put the code word and the code word only in the subject line. You put your name and your email address that you use to enter the contest in the body of the email. And as I've suggested before, you should probably just go ahead and include your shipping information. That way you don't have to worry about maybe your spam filter or you don't get my response telling you you've won. Because if you do not claim your prize by the close of business today, I will give your prize to somebody else. So I suggest you just include your shipping information uh, right, right away. And if you lose, don't worry, I'll be deleting all these emails by the end of the day. No one's storing your physical address. All right, so those are the rules. One more rule, you can only send one email. If you send me 10 emails or 20 emails or 30 emails trying to play the system, I will eliminate you from the competition and you will not get to play and your entries will not count. You send one email and one email only. Today, winners will be number 10 and number 40. Number 10 and number 40. This is going to go fast. If you're listening at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you've probably missed out on this one. But I'm sorry I had to do it this way. The code word, no surprise, center of mass. Center of mass. So number 10 and number 40. Number 40 is going to win the biometric safe. So you have to balance this. How quickly do you want to respond? Number 40 wins the biometric. Number 10 wins the key lock. Number 40, biometric, 10, key lock. All right, let's get on with today's show. Um, today, I, I just want to let you guys know what the weather's like for just a second, and there's a reason. I'll get to it. Uh, it's 63 degrees, and it's Bluebird sunshiny day. The last three days have been rainy and miserable, two of them with ice all over the street. Yesterday morning, it was cold but not icy. High 30s, low 40s, miserable, miserable Seattle-esque weather. Um, And today, it's like an Indian summer day is what we used to call it back in Pennsylvania. We had a little bite of winter and now it's just gorgeous out. And the reason that's important is it has me thinking once again about gardening. And uh, so I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about gardening today, maybe some other stuff too. But I want to kind of put a bug in your butt. Going into the spring, uh, you know, even if you're not doing a winter garden or greenhouse gardening like I am or some of our other members are doing, uh, odds are if you listen to this show, even if you're in an apartment, I've heard from plenty of people that are at least doing you know, uh, flower pot gardens and uh, container gardening on their porch, and uh, some are even doing them on roofs of apartments where they can get access to the roof like in the city and what have you. And One way or another, everybody seems to be trying to do a little bit of this. Well, if you actually are going to plant plants into the ground, typical bed-type uh, gardening, You may be looking out your window right now, and if you're not fortunate to live down in the south like I do, you may see snow a couple feet deep. And spring and planting for the spring may seem a million miles away. But the reality is that... Starting thick plants like tomatoes and peppers, even in the coldest parts of the country, you should be starting those seeds probably the latest anywhere is around February. Now, this assumes you have some kind of a greenhouse or cold frame or a sunny window, some place to protect the young plants until they're ready to set out. But it takes a long time for a tiny seed to grow into a great big giant pepper plant. So the earlier you start your seeds, assuming you have a way to protect them, the better. better. Right here, uh, I've got some seeds started that are really planned to grow in the uh, the greenhouse this year. They're are like you know little immature plants right now. But in the first week of January, right after I get back from Arkansas, I'll be starting a whole slew of plants that are going to be you know slotted to go into the ground. Uh, By March, by maybe late March. So they're going to have 8, 12 weeks of time uh, to get started from a little seed to a little plant that goes in the ground. And my point is that if you're thinking that's a long time away, if you're up north and you're not going to be starting your seeds till February, February's going to be on you like that. It's going to be here so fast. And so many people, especially if you're a first-time gardener, you know, you've maybe got some beds ready, maybe you've done a little bit of prep work or things like that, you just kind of don't get with the program until right up, until it's already warm out. And now by the time your plants are ready to go on the ground and they're about two inches tall and they're little and they're, they're fragile yet, you're in the middle of summer and the sun is just baking them. And it's hard on them at that point. And you've kind of missed your window for your early season gardening. And I don't want you to do that. I want you, if you're going to garden this year, I want you to get get with the program now. Start planning. Start figuring out, okay, based on if I'm going to grow tomatoes and they're supposed to go out two weeks past our average last killing frost in my area, you know, go to the Farmer's Almanac online and figure out for your area when is that and mark the date on the calendar, tomatoes in the ground. And then say, well, if I want to give them uh, ten weeks of starting or 12 weeks of starting, count back on your calendar, you'll be shocked how close that date probably is for you right now. And uh, I want to see on our forum this spring, this summer, and this fall tons of pictures of people that are doing some sort of homestead gardening all over our nation and, dare I say it, all over the world because we do have quite a few international listeners and i want to see how much food we can grow and i want you to set a goal for yourself to grow a certain percentage of the vegetables that you'll use in the coming year and you are in control of that goal it could be 5% all right i'm not i'm not living your life for you i don't tell anybody how to live their life i don't tell anybody how to think i don't tell anybody how to vote i just give you my advice but well, my advice here is set some goal, 5%, 10%, 15%. i have set a goal this year to grow about 40% of everything that we consume that doesn't come from an animal in our backyard. Which may not sound like a lot, but to feed my son and the 50 million kids that show up with him, that's quite a bit of food. And uh, we're going to hit it, and I think we're going to blow it away. I think we'll get up into the 50 percentile this year. And, and the reason I share that with you is I want to make sure you understand, I'm like some badass gardener that in the summertime is producing 90% of my my, uh, my sustenance yet. You know, I'd like to be there. I'd like to get there. That is a goal for me. I'd like to produce enough to do something similar to what the is do and have surplus to sell to gourmet restaurants of certain types of uh, plants. I don't have the time to do that right now. Just like most of you, I work a full-time job. In fact, you know, I work more than a full-time job. If you hit the total hours that I put in. So I have to, to divide my time and divide my resources just like my listeners, which I think makes the show a little bit more authentic. You know, I'm not some guy that's already hit kind of a semi-retirement phase that has all the time in the world to sit around and fart around outdoors, you know, hunting, fishing, and gardening. And, uh, completely living off the land yet. I have to deal with the same things you guys do. So, in fact, I've heard from some of you guys, you know, that are saying, where do I go next? And you're telling me, well, we have 80 acres of land that's paid for. We have a small farming operation that's going on. We have a couple tractors. We have a few ponds. I'm going, dude, I don't know where you go next because, wow, you ahead of me. I'll do what I can to help you. And then other members on the forum will give you some ideas about kind of how to put things in in the perspective of where you go next. But, man, if you're that far out, man, you are way ahead of me. And don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. Apologize for it. Feel good about it. And I want you to keep telling your stories like that on the forum because I want other people to look at it. Because here's the reality. When you see somebody do something, develop a certain level of self-sufficiency for themselves, you go, well, I can do that too. And when you see somebody really do it big time, I mean big time, like the 80 acres and the ponds and and all the other things. And, you know, we're self-sufficient. We don't, you know, we we sell our own food at farmer's markets or whatever it is. You know, I'm fish farming. One guy's fish farming. Um, Then you look at that and maybe you go, well, I can't right now see myself getting to that point. I don't, a lot of people go, I don't even want to go that far. It's not for me. But what you start to realize is, well, if that person can do that much, then I can do some portion. Right? You start to realize that it's not as hard as you think it is. when I, when I saw that the Dervaises were growing six thousand pounds of food on a tenth of an acre, I looked at my backyard, which is about a third of an acre, and I went, You wasteful jerk. You better do something you damn and I was already doing something but I felt like I'm not doing anything you didn't step this up you're you're squandering a resource if these people had your resource they'd be knocking out 18,000 pounds of food and look what you're doing you got one little bed you better grow some more Jack and that's what I started doing so as you look around and you see what people are doing around you you know let it be encouraging I think sometimes people have a tendency to go backwards or they look and go man I'll never get there I mean this is pointless so, you know, with that in mind, what are there, What are some things that you can be doing um, to get ready for your spring gardening if you're not going to garden through the winter, no matter where you are, no matter if right now you can barely open your door without pounding on it because it's iced shut, um, which actually mine was about three days ago. You know, what can you do? Well, the one thing you can definitely do is begin to plan. And this takes a whopping like 13 cents worth of investment because you need a pencil, maybe a couple seed catalogs to give you some ideas of what you're going to grow, an internet connection to the farmer's almanac to start figuring out when plants need to go into the ground and when seeds need to be started, right? And a pad of paper so you can start drawing out your beds and planting them in your yard. And kind of how to take this process under control is just go outside, And realize something right now, that your sun in your sky is lower than it will be just about any other time of the year. It's going to get a little bit lower in the sky, but right now the sun angle is very, very low because you're in winter. So in summer, you're going to have a lot more solar exposure in your backyard. So with that in mind, think about where are the sunny places, where can I plant some raised beds or gardens, and be creative. If you don't have a huge yard or if you're not interested in having nice square or rectangular beds, start to think, okay, If I'm going to start maybe even putting in some flower beds and stuff like that, where can I put some edibles amongst my flowers and my landscaping? Because, you know, you don't have to grow the conventional vegetable garden. But one way or another, start to just sketch out your yard with the places that you're going to grow things. Think about how much spacing the plants need and realize if you do good, deep, enriched, intensive soil management, you can plant closer than the package directions say. Not a lot closer you need to give the plant some room for Sun but you can get a lot more dense planting maybe go out and get a book on square foot gardening uh, it's not exactly the approach that I take but uh, square foot gardening and deep wide bed gardening are very very similar I'm just not putting a grid on top of it before I do my planting that's that's really the only difference and I'm planting certain things very close together specifically to create a natural mulching effect to the soil um, so some Sometimes it's one per square foot. Sometimes it's multiples per square foot. Uh, and I guess square foot gardeners do that too. So just start to sketch this stuff out. Figure out what you want, where it's going to go. Start to also look at harvest times and ask yourself, okay, is this plant, like when I start harvesting it, how long can I expect to harvest? Is this going to be a tomato that's going to produce all summer long? Or is it, is it going to be a pepper that produces all summer long? Or is this going to be some kind of green that I basically think it's going to come up? I'm going to cut it, it's going to come back one more time, and I'm going to cut it again, and that's kind of it, right? Is it kind of a squash that once it produces, it's done? Or is it going to be like zucchini, where once it starts producing, I'm going to be throwing zucchinis at people? And the ones that are going to run through a cycle... In other words, they're going to reach a finite point of production where they're either going to go to seed or they're just going to stop producing. Or if there's something like a carrot or an onion or garlic, you're going to pull them out of the ground and they're going to be gone. Right? That space is going to be available. Well, plan on your calendar and, and understand that all plants never survive contact with the enemy and your harvest will probably take a little bit longer than you plan, or maybe a little bit shorter. So build in some buffer for yourself and think when that plant is gone, and I dig in some new mulch and I dig in some new uh, compost and I get that space prepared, what am I going to replace it with? Because that's succession planning. And when you start thinking that way, right... You get greater production out of your garden. You keep food coming out of it. That's how you get those 50 percent, or more production levels to provide your own sustenance by always by never wasting open ground while it's fertile and growing season. By always having something in there, and by putting a plant in that you know goes well, you know rotates well after the last plant that you put in. Ask yourself when I plant this, am I going to plant this in the form of a seed or a transplant? If you're going to do it in the form of a transplant, take your calendar and work backwards now. And say, how old do I want the plant when I put it in this space, right? So if it's like a lettuce plant, maybe you only need two or three weeks for it to get started. So you go back three weeks and say, okay, in this, this period of time, I need to be looking toward the end of this crop's harvest coming, so I need to be starting its replacements. If you're going to naturally seed, just plan to naturally you know, seed straight into the soil, plan to do that. If you start to do that, What you're going to realize is that it seems like more work when you sit down to do it, but by doing it that way, you plant in a very organized manner, and it ends up being a hell of a lot less work. Because you're not running out to a nursery trying to find a few plants that are still around and look healthy to put in the ground from Home Depot. And you had a chance to start your own seeds and grow your own varieties. And, you know, if you wait like that, you're going to find the plants that are left by then are usually the ones that don't look very well. And, you know, they may not be the varieties that you want either. So I find a lot more pleasure in knowing that I grew my vegetables from a seed than they came from a plant in a nursery. Now, that doesn't mean I won't buy plants in a nursery. There's nothing wrong with that. And Sometimes I'll have you know a bare patch of, of soil and go, man, you know what? Uh, it's a good time of year to throw a pepper plant there, and I'll run by a nursery and say, see if they got any. And if they do, I'll throw one or two peppers in the ground. There's nothing wrong with that. It just will work out better for you if you plan to use most of the resources with the things that you specifically want to put in there, and you can control when they're available. Right now, unless you live in a place that's um, you know covered in snow, this is a great time to go out and put two, three, four inches of compost on your bed. Just throw it on the top. Don't dig it in or anything. And uh, maybe uh, cover it with newspaper and throw straw on top of it. And just let it sit there. You know, let it sit there until you're ready to pull it away and grow stuff. Maybe even throw some straw down on top of the compost and then cover that with paper and throw some straw on top of it. Um, and let that straw begin to rot and, and more organic matter form. And, you know, that actually will create some warmth in there and some of your soil microbes and earthworms and other little creatures uh, will become active earlier in the year and uh, get your soil ready for you. Let them do a lot of the work uh, with soil structure building for you. It's a great time to do that. Um, if you're in a place like I am where you can actually put a shovel in the ground still, the ground's not frozen, this is a great time to be digging or building beds. It's a wonderful time. It's, you know, it's 64 degrees right now. Uh, I think I've said this before during a community, but I would much rather be at home right now, you know, uh, building a log cabin stack uh, uh, raised bed out of landscape timbers and dumping a mixture of topsoil and compost into it right now. I would much rather be doing that. Than be in this car, other than the fact that I get to talk to you folks, I guess, because I do enjoy doing this. This has made my life a lot. My life's been improved a lot by this podcast, folks. Having uh, something to do instead of listening to talk radio and wanting to blow my brains out on the way to work. Now I drive in and I talk to my friends and I talk about subjects that are important to both of us, like you know, winter gardening. But I would like to be home right now Building raised beds That would be a great place to be I might even uh, start building another raised bed tomorrow I pretty much have plans to do so So what else can you be doing right now? Um, Along with building your beds This may be, again, if you don't live in a place Where everything's frozen A good time to be putting something in Like a drip irrigation system And that's something that I'm going to look at doing this year And uh, what I'm probably going to do During the uh, this time of year, right, is put in my my pipe or pathway, I guess you would call it, that will be buried, that will get um, the water from where my spigot is to the garden. I'm not actually going to lay out the drip system itself, because the one thing about drip systems is they don't take a lot of effort to do. Right? I mean, you can cut the piping with a pocket knife, and you just push the fittings together. So what I actually plan on doing is running a piece of underground pipe uh, with a, a connector to my hose uh, nozzle, my hose bib, whatever you want to call it, where I can go out, plug that in on one side, turn the water on, let the drip irrigation run, and turn it off and disconnect it and put it back out to the regular garden hose. So I don't have to drag the garden hose over and hand water like I've been doing uh, for the past two seasons. And so I, I want to get that done this year, so I'll probably go ahead and start uh, burying that piping uh, just so it's not in the way. And I've got a deck in between, so I'll probably bury the pipe up to a point. Then I'll just shove it underneath the deck, and it'll actually get through there. And on the other side, we'll go back subterranean underground and uh, run it all the way to the uh, garden. I haven't decided if I'm actually willing to do that. Uh, Yet it's going to be a lot of work, and uh, as a lot of you know, I don't have long-term plans to stay where I'm at. So I may just go ahead and 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 lay out the drip irrigation as I have the garden planned, and uh, just run the hose over every night and tie into it. I haven't decided yet, but if you're in a situation where you're going to be long-term, it makes a lot of sense to go ahead and uh, and bury that watering system, at least the main trunk line that gets out to either a drip irrigation uh, system or uh, soaker hose irrigation. Both of those methods of watering are far more efficient uh, than, you know, hand watering uh, with a garden hose. Now, I'm not a huge eco-freak, as I call it. I, I'm for conserving our resources. I'm not for let's kill the planet with smog. Uh, but I'm not a big you know, believer in the global warming theory. And, folks, it's not even a theory. It's a guess. And uh, if you believe in global warming, check out Mars and explain to me why we're, you know, our planet and Mars global warms and global cools almost perfectly in line with the Martian pattern. I'll let that go. Uh, So I'm not worried about water the way that some people are where we're wasting it, right? Because there's this thing called the water cycle, and the water hits the ground, it gets evaporated, it goes into runoff, it goes up in a cloud, it comes back down as rain. You learn about this in, like, second grade, folks. So I'm not worried that the water's going to disappear, right? Because when water is used, it's not gone. It goes back into this recirculating system. It's the most abundant thing on the planet. But I am for how efficient can we be? Because if we're efficient with our watering... Our plants will do better. They'll require less attention. If we make a mistake and we don't water for a day, it won't be as critical. right? They'll grow better. They'll produce more. So a lot of the things that like the eco-freak people want, you should do even if you're not an eco-freak. And the reason I think it's important to draw the line between the two of these things is because if we believe in global warming, then we're heading for a carbon tax on the industrialized nations to subsidize the unindustrialized nations so that they can become industrialized too, which will create more, not less, pollution. If we're for a reduction in pollution, we drive more fuel-efficient vehicles because it saves us money and doesn't pollute as much. That's why it's important to draw the difference. If we're for water conservation, because it creates a better system then we conserve water because it's the right thing to do. If we conserve water because we're afraid it's all going to go away, and we're wasting it, then we end up in a land of restrictions, regulation, red tape. And we end up like a friend from Colorado just emailed me and said, you know what, I can't catch rainwater off my roof because I don't own the water that runs off my freaking roof. The state of Colorado does. I have to have a permit. To collect rainwater. This is why you can't buy into the eco-freak stuff, folks. This is why you can't be a true tree hugger. Because this is what happens when you start to believe in the cult of environmentalism. You don't own the rainwater that falls on your house anymore. You get taxed because you drive a car. And coming soon to a farm near you, we start taxing farmers because their cows fart methane. There's a real movement to do that. So I guess I'm just throwing that in there. So kind of my lesson with that is all these things to conserve water, conserve energy, reduce pollution, do them. Do them because they make sense. And when you want to spread the word, so to speak, don't start being alarmist. Don't tell people the planet's going to melt because they won't believe you. Right. When you the best way that you can spread pos, a positive environmental impact, and why I talk so much about it is growing some of your own food, starting to get some of your food that's outside of the genetically modified world of Monsanto, getting some of your food that hasn't been grown with chemical fertilizers and chemical pesticides and chemical herbicides, right? And, and the seeds didn't come with a license. And then sharing that food with other people. And telling other people how you did it. That's all you really have to do. Because if everybody does a little bit, that's something the environmental folks are right about. If everybody does a little bit, it matters. But you know what? The environmentalists have been banging their drum for a hundred years almost now. And the only people listening to them... themselves and the masses of the public that pay a little bit of attention all that's happened is the government has figured out how to use the fear created by the eco crowd to enslave the population with more taxes regulations and restrictions that's it that's all we've gotten from that so my message to you be a gardener and let's try something different Let's try something different. Let's tell people, drive a more fuel-efficient car because at the end of the month, you'll have more dollars in your your pocket. Then you can save your money and get out of debt, and you can live a debt-free life. This is a lot better of a message that your pickup truck is killing the planet. And we have people driving trucks and Humvees and SUVs around Dallas-Fort Worth right now, folks, that have huge scratches in their doors. What well, does this have to do with gardening? It doesn't have a lot to do with gardening, but it has a lot to do with environmentalism. Why do they have huge scratches in their doors? Because self-proclaimed eco-cops are keying and using knives to scratch large vehicles because they think the people that drive them are evil. And there's a lot of them that have these large, long scratches in them right now. So they're creating vandalism against the Humvee, or vandalism against the Ford Explorer. And you know how stupid this is, folks, because uh, the guy still drives the Explorer, Right, he doesn't stop driving some idiot took a nail to the door. But that's what's going on. And you can make a difference with this by running a simple garden. All right, I, I kind of went off there a bit. It's uh, I apologize, folks. Uh, I had uh, dinner and a couple drinks with some folks last night that are really intelligent people that are buying into this global warming bullshit, and I guess it got me off on a tangent. So let me see if I can rein this back in and wrap this show up. And again, I apologize for going to left field there a little bit on you. But once in a while, you know what? I'm going to go to left field, and hopefully you guys will do bear with me when I do it. So, I, I, I do hope that, you know, you, you have gotten out of this, that there are things that you can do, even if you're in the great white north right now, to start planning for your gardening next spring. And, uh, you know, start using some of the resources that are out there. Uh, there's a thread in the forum about gardening and seed catalogs and seed sources, and I have, like, I put in there 24 links where you can directly request seed catalogs, and they're a great resource. And I'll put a link from the show notes today to that post, and you can go request all Follow those seed catalogs. And, you know, spend some time this January going through them and getting some ideas about what you can plant, what will grow in your area. Start marking the calendar of when stuff needs to be started and when it needs to go in the ground. I'll put a link to the online farmer's almanac. Go there and start, you know, learn your area. When is your last frost? When is your last killing frost? You know, how early can you plant? How late can you plant? Start getting these things down, and start planning uh, to uh, to try to produce some portion of your food next year. And remember that this is big time a survival topic, uh, because a lot of people that are in the modern survivalist mindset think that well, if everything goes to crap. I'm going to start growing some of my own food. I have a seed bank, a seed reserve system in place. So that I'll, you know, I have some food stored and I have some seeds. So when the food stored runs out, we'll be able to produce our own food. And hopefully that'll get us through whatever we go into. But the time to start, you know, the learning curve and making all the mistakes and screwing everything up is not when if the seed doesn't grow, you don't eat. Right, it's now when if you, the seed doesn't grow, you run the Publix or, or Winn-Dixie or, or Albertsons or Kroger, and you pick up a couple uh, bell peppers from there. And go, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't make the peppers fly this time, right? So now's the time to do it, and uh, it's always, keep giving me your feedback. Tell me what you want to hear about. I have three pretty cool shows planned next week. Uh, this one just kind of was shooting from the hip because I didn't want to jump the gun on the three things that I have planned to do next week. They're all going to be surprises, but I will tell you on uh, Wednesday, on Christmas Eve, I'm going to do, just like I did with Thanksgiving, a survivalist view of Christmas, and I'm going to tell you some things about the Christmas holiday in America that you may not know, and we're certainly. Not Not teaching our children today. And I'll talk about the religious aspects of Christmas a little bit. And if you're not a real religious person, don't worry because I never shove religion down anybody's throat, but you can't separate the two. So I'll talk about that. But I'll talk about the common unifying bond that Christmas is to people in the United States of America, whether they're religious or not. And how we can start separating consumerism from Christmas and bring Christmas back to what it meant to our nation and where its foundation really comes from. And I think Wednesday will be a very special show. So even if you're not going to be working on Christmas Eve, maybe you should tune in on Christmas Eve. Download the show. And if you're taking a trip somewhere... I promise you, this will be a family-friendly show this Wednesday. You'll be able to listen to it with your kids. No expletives, no four-letter words. It's going to be a pretty cool Christmas show. So tune in then. Again, this has been Jack Spirko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. You can scream and you can holler. Doesn't matter Cause it all gets spent